If you're wondering where to go to discover new music, check out In Our Headphones, the latest podcast from listener-powered KEXP. In Our Headphones brings you recommendations and insights every week, straight from KEXP DJs. And we're your hosts. I'm Isabel Kalili. And I'm Janice Headley. Join us for this never-ending journey of music discovery from KEXP and the NPR Network. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Just search KEXP. This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox, and this is Danielle Ponder. Danielle Ponder recently left her job as a public defense lawyer to become a full-time musician. Turns out, her midlife career pivot is working out. I did not think I'd be doing what I've done this year. I didn't think I'd be on TV. I didn't think I'd have the interviews that I've had. I did not dream this big. And I think as you get older, your dreams tend to get smaller. And that's what happened to me. Um, And then I had a, a very beautiful awakening that... Even at 41, it's still possible. And I'm realizing no one really cared about my age. I was the only one who cared. So. I caught up with Danielle to talk about what it takes to make a living on music and the work she did being a public defender. I was a public defender for about seven years and I went to law school because I knew I wanted to work on criminal justice reform. Uh, But being a public defender just allowed me to do like direct service work. And I really loved it. It was very stressful. um, But I loved working with my clients. It's really what I miss the most about the job is working with my clients. I know our our justice system is an unfair system. And um, it was really rewarding just to be with someone through the system and through the process and really fight to protect their rights. I mean, looking back, what are the main things that you would love to fix about our criminal justice system? Oh, wow. I mean, the foundation is completely broken. You know, it was built on the foundation of white supremacy. Um, and so the racism within the system, um, I think, has infected every piece of it. What I would like to see is more uh, restorative work, restorative justice, um, and really giving people what they what they need instead of punishment. We throw away people too often, especially young people. Um, And I always tell people, because they wouldn't believe it, that over 80% of the crimes that are committed in this country are minor crimes. Um, So we spend a lot of time arresting and prosecuting poor people for minor offenses. And I think what we're seeing is people engaged in certain, quote unquote, criminal behavior because their needs aren't being met. So I would love to see really an eradication of the system and starting over with something that really focuses on rehabilitation, restorative justice and services and support. So I know you probably can't divulge um, any of your client stories, but I'm just wondering if you can kind of describe like what it's like working with, you know, a client in the current system and like use that same example and flip it around to how you wish that person was was treated or how you wish the system worked? I mean, there's so many clients I can speak to. God, I, I had a mother whose daughter was in an apartment hallway 
Um, and the daughter was like four years old and she was in the apartment hallway running up and down. The mother went to the corner store. She thought her older daughter was watching her. She wasn't. The mother was uh, arrested for endangering the welfare of a child. The child wasn't hurt, but it was the fact that she wasn't home and the daughter was in the hallway. Um, so we all can have our opinions about what the mother should have done and, and shouldn't have done. But the reality is she was a single mom trying to provide for her kids, trying to go grocery shopping for her kids um, and ended up in jail instead of really looking at how she could have been supported with daycare and things of that nature. You know, to me, that was just a simple fix that shouldn't have involved. Now you're actually taking her way away from her child. We were so concerned about her not being there, but then, you know, she was sent to jail um, and she was only in there for five days, but it still was like, was this really the remedy that was necessary? Is there, was there not other options? We know there were other options, but our system just isn't built to think that way. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And so, you know, options for her is like access to things like daycare, like, Mm -hmm, you know, when mm -hmm. you're thinking about rehabilitation or, or restorative justice. I mean, it seems like in the first place, yeah, putting her in jail was not the option, but like just allowing her to have access to services that she needed. Asking her, how can we make sure this doesn't happen? What do you need? Yeah. So your children are, taken care of and you're able to do the things that you need to do, whether it's going to work or whatever it might be. I mean, there's countless cases. I had a 76 year old client who was sentenced to one to three years in state prison for driving on a suspended license. Um, so these are things that law and order doesn't cover. CSI doesn't cover, but unfortunately they're the majority of the crimes in this country. So we have a really skewed perception you, you know, we could talk about drug addiction as well. A lot of my clients are struggling with addiction and they need the rehabilitation services of the stars, right? But we don't fund our rehabilitation services. We actually spend more time funding prisons and jails. When did you stop doing work in the as a public defender? I actually left twice. In 2018, I left with the goal to pursue music full time and... It was not as a, it didn't take off as much as I wish it would have, but I was still hopeful and pushing through. And then the pandemic hit. So I decided to go back. I knew I wasn't going to go back forever, but I just, you know, knew this was, if any time, this was the time to go back. Um, And then I quit again in 2021, just few days before my 40th birthday. And at that point, I had a record deal. And I had been discovered by Chris Doritas from KCRW. And I felt like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. It's really going to happen. Wow. So tell me more about that decision in the first place to just, you know, leave work as a public defender and then become a full time musician. I mean, that's, that seems like a huge jump. Yeah, it really was. But I had been performing I've been performing for 20 years. So Mm -hmm. even as a public defender on the weekends, I would perform or, you know, we actually went to Europe a few times and performed over there. I think the biggest jump is I didn't know what I was jumping into, especially financially. Um, Obviously, when you're doing the arts, you may not get a check some weeks. You know what I mean? So. That was a little scary for me because I, you know, I grew up poor and most people who grew up poor don't have a, a, a big fear of being poor again. So the idea of not having a stable paycheck was very scary. But, you know, I just knew if even if, if as long as I can pay my rent and have food, 
I will take the pay cut because music is what I truly believe I'm put here to do. It's interesting. I feel like I've been talking to a lot of musicians and people in, you know, the arts lately of just like, how do you make it right now? You mm. know, especially in the streaming yeah. era, how do you make things work financially, right. you know, based on kind of what what level you mu- musician you are, like how many streams you get, you know, how big of a venues you can play at, you know, they there's different tiers. And so looking at your tour dates, I mean, you're touring now until the fall, like it looks like yeah, back to yeah. back to back. So what do you think has worked for you? I mean, do you feel like now you're at a point where things are easier financially? Or what do you think it takes to have a more stable income as an artist right now? Oh, it's so hard. It really is hard. I think I'm very lucky because I've been able to get my music placed in TV shows and uh, movies through, you know, in, on different streaming platforms. And that's been very, very beneficial because touring, it, it can be really hard to make money on touring to um, to cover the expenses. And obviously, we're not hardly making anything on streaming. Um, but I think for me, it's been the sinks, um, placements, but also merch really helps. And, and I think we don't realize how much our audience really wants to help us and really wants to see us make it. Um, I remember I used to be like really, you know, a little felt it was cringy to ask, like, can you please buy a t-shirt or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But now I'm like, listen, we counting on y'all to buy them T-shirts. I don't care if you don't even like the T-shirt. Buy it for your cousin, your uncle. Who cares, right? And I'm letting the audience know how difficult it is. And people will literally at the merch table just hand me money, you know, and just say, I don't want anything. I just want to support you. And that's why I just, I can't thank live music lovers enough and the audience enough because one, they're the reason why we can do this, but they're always willing to help. You know, I remember when I first wanted to go to Europe, I did a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter on my page and we raised $4,000. I mean, that was just not a lot, but I think reaching out to your community is so important. And I feel like people will support you because they, they want to see you win. Mm-hmm. And how has it felt like now, you know, fully into this full-time musician mode? Oh, my God, it's been amazing. (laughs) You know, like, I had a very stressful job, uh, probably one of the most stressful jobs you can do. If you make a mistake, someone's life can be severely impacted. And, you know, you're constantly dealing with trauma, you're constantly dealing with just, uh, you know, people are going through really difficult times. And so I think being an artist is being on the other side of it where I'm not really trying to fix the traumas or the problems as I was as a PD. Um, but I am in the healing business more and I really love to be on that side of it, you know, and I'm more articulating the human struggles and the human traumas. Um, I'm more of a witness and an observer and an experiencer, if that's a word. And, um, I am trying to help heal and help heal myself. So it's just a more therapeutic approach where being a public defender is like, oh my God, this is happening. 
I got to fix it. I got to stop this, this train from running over my client, which is the, you should have that zealous advocacy as a public defender, but it is so stressful to be in that space. Um, so now I just feel much calmer. It's more peaceful on this side. So your debut album, which was released last year, is called Some of Us Are Brave. And I understand that comes from a book you read in law school called All the Women Are White, All the Blacks Are Men, Some of Us Are Brave. Uh, What were your personal takeaways from that book? I I think it was the first time I stumbled upon this notion of intersectionality. Um, Before then, most of the books I read on feminism were from white female authors Um, And this was the first time I was reading a feminist book from the perspective of black women. Um, And, you know, I really felt seen when I read that book. And also it it gave me a confidence that I didn't know that I was looking for. Um, And so it just was a big turning point in my life. And I just wanted to, and I just thought the title was just, oh my goodness. The full title is All of the Women Are White and All of the Blacks Are Men, But Some of Us Are Brave. I mean, it completely captures why intersectionality is important. When we talk about Black issues, we tend to focus on the issues that affect men the most. Uh, when we talk about issues, uh, feminist issues, we tend to forget the some of the feminist issues that uh, affect black women. So I just always love the title. I actually got to meet the editor of the book, Barbara Smith, and it just was an amazing moment. That was Danielle Ponder. Here's her song, Some of Us Are Brave. If the sky were to fall, I'd be the first to call. Some of us, some of us are brave. Gonna feel my pain. Who's gonna say my name? Ain't no joy but to be brave. Peace and love to the ones who give praise. Take a bow as the sun hits the face. See me now, golden hour. And to those who fear leads them to hate. What a pity to be locked in a place you see me now I show ya I show ya I show ya I show ya I show ya
Said the darker the berry, the sweeter the fruit The kinkier the hair, the deeper the roots Bow down when the queendom comes Take note when we speak our tongues Sound and Vision, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.